0: Hey, I'm Dr. Kirabar and welcome to the skinny dipping prescription podcast where we're stripping away the mindset blocks, myths, and misinformation about tough and taboo topics that are getting in the way of you living, looking, and feeling your best. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal who happens to be a dual board certified integrative dermatologist, certified mind-body medicine practitioner, and emotional transformation coach, which means we're blending science with soul to redefine skincare as the embodiment of your lived experience through no BS conversations, straight up truths, and tangible, actionable advice that will help you strengthen connections, confidence, and amplify your resilience. Every episode, you get a prescription on how to strip it down, do the work, and experience pleasure on a whole new level. So pull up a seat, make yourself comfortable, and dare to bear all, because I promise you that getting naked has never felt this good. Hello, my skinny divers. Welcome to another episode. I am so glad you're here today because I want to do a quick episode about something that's been on my mind that I wanted to share with you. In the last episode, we examined the topic of relationship, examining the layers of communication and connection with ourselves, and illuminating how and where that communication can break down and what to do about it. So if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely check it out. And in upcoming episodes, we're going to be diving into relationships with others, with some seriously juicy conversations with my guests, where we're going to really dare to bear all about intimacy, sex, sensuality. So you're not going to want to miss that. Definitely tune in to when those drop. So stay tuned. But for today, I want to touch on a topic that's an extension of our conversation from the last episode and a prelude to conversations I just mentioned, and that is increasing the capacity for creating connection and relationship to what's here, to what's happening in the present moment. Like, how can we stay present to what's happening for us without stonewalling ourselves? Meaning without checking out, without tuning out, without disassociating or disconnecting when things feel hard or stressful or charged or boring or even pleasurable, right? I find that when things actually feel really good, that it can be even harder because some of us have, you know, are so used to the negative lens. We focus on what's not working. And when things actually start working, that can feel really uncomfortable. So I wanted to dive into that of, you know, how can we be in relationship with our thoughts and feelings without wanting to run? How do we turn towards meeting our need for being seen, heard, and understood that weren't met sufficiently in the past? One of the ways to do that is one I've shared before. I've mentioned the work of Drs. Kristen Knaff and Christopher Germer and the elements of self-compassion, and I just want to reiterate them here. The first is self-kindness, and that is simply a noticing and acknowledging that we're hurting, right? That you actually stop and tell yourself, wow, this this is really hard right now. How, How can I comfort and care for myself in this moment? The second element of self compassion is this idea of common humanity versus isolation, because we all suffer and we often tend to think that there may be something wrong with us and that we're the only ones that this happens to, right? There's something flawed in us. But the reality is, you're not alone. Everyone struggles at times. And all that it is is that you're a human, having a human experience, which can feel really hard sometimes, which can be really hard sometimes. And mindfulness, really just noticing our thoughts and emotions without judgment, without trying to suppress them or ignore them or reject them, rather just being open to them without over-identifying with them, meaning we don't make it mean more than what's happening in this present moment, right? Even, even simply asking the question, like, what do you need most right now? What do you need to hear? What do you need to do right now in terms of offering yourself some support? And perhaps it's a soothing self touch with a hand on your heart. I personally find myself rubbing the sides of my thighs or finding a gentle movement by rocking back and forth when I'm nervous or anxious. Um, My daughter, I've noticed um, she's always rubbed her earlobes as a form of self-soothing. And my husband, he twiddles his thumbs, creating a, a gentle constant contact between his fingers. And whether you've identified yours yet or not, your body has such wisdom that you're always doing things to create a sense of safety and comfort and soothing for yourself. So it's really an opportunity to get curious to see what you might already be instinctively doing. So I bring that up because today's discussion is how can we increase the ways to give ourselves comfort and how can we increase the capacity to receive that comfort So that we can strengthen our relationship of being with what's here in the present moment, right? Most of us are really good at giving. And with my background as a physician, I know so many of my colleagues excel at giving of their time, of their expertise, their kindness, their empathy and compassion to others to their own detriment. Burnout among physicians is recognized as a public health problem because it's high prevalence and its implications for individual physicians and their families, their well-being, the quality of patient care, and the cost it brings to health organizations and systems. I'm not going to dive too deep into this topic right now because it has so many layers that really deserve their own exploration, but I'll say that burnout has long been identified as a syndrome of emotional exhaustion, of depersonalization. And a low sense of personal accomplishment at work that's driven by prolonged professional stress. And I'll name that this is a universal challenge for physicians, not just here in the United States. Burnout is usually measured using something called the Maslach Burnout Inventory in the MBI. And using this metric, there was a recent study in the Frontiers of Psychology that found that 66% of Portuguese physicians have high levels of emotional exhaustion. And for U.S. physicians, studies have shown that burnout ranges between 35 to 54%, with the experience of feeling stress, anxiety, and anger on the rise. So I share these statistics really just to highlight that it is a problem that's prevalent everywhere in the world. And also, these statistics affect not only physicians treating humans, but our veterinarian colleagues are seriously struggling too. There was um, data showing that over 50% of veterinarians experience signs of burnout. And I recently learned that veterinarians are 2.7 times more likely than the general public to die by suicide. And according to a 2020 study from Merck Animal Health in partnership with the American Veterinary Medical Association, I mean, so many of us view our pets as integral members of our families. And veterinarians are tasked with having to put those animals down. Honestly, I, I can't even imagine how hard that must be. And I know that healthcare is not the only field affected by the emotional, mental, and physical ramifications of burnout. I'm looking at all of the caregivers out there. (laughs) Yeah, you, the mamas, the dads, the grown kids taking care of aging parents. All of you who identify as caregivers in some shape or form are conditioned to give out of love, care, desire, or perhaps out of obligation or need. Whatever the reason, so many of you give until the well is completely dry, and then you try and give some more, right? You give selflessly to your own detriment that can leave you feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, resentful, angry, and literally sick and tired, but it may feel like there's no other way, which creates a sense of helplessness or hopelessness. I, can you relate? <laughs> I, I know that I can. And this is why so many of my clients actually come to work with me in the first place because they are so sick and tired of being sick and tired. They can't find a way out. And hearing all about loving yourself more and being kind and compassionate and having a self-care routine just sounds like a bunch of woo-woo shit, right? And they think that they don't have time for self-care because in their minds, self-care looks like massages or spa days, vacations or hobbies, basically doing something. It takes a lot of time and something that is occasional or intermittent that may be expensive and feel selfish because as a caregiver, doing something for themselves means less time to help others. And this pressure of reducing stress and adding self-care to their to-do list is just piling on more overwhelm and exhaustion. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. Sound familiar? So the opportunity here is how can we increase our capacity to give and receive our own care so that we can replenish our reserves to continue to give to others? For so many of us, receiving feels unfamiliar, uncomfortable, like downright strange, right? It can feel really hard. So if you're in this camp, Listen, you're not alone. So many of us feel this way. And there are many layers that can be examined here with regards to unpacking the physiology of the stress response cycle, attachments, and social conditioning. But for now, I wanted to keep this short and share simple, actionable techniques and practices that you can start using right now to support your ability to build and strengthen your receiving muscles so that you can start feeling more ease and more calm and comfort in your skin and increase your sense of presence so i want to share a few ways to give yourself more calm and comfort to help you do just that and the first is breath work the fastest way to bring your nervous system back into balance and to help create a sense of ease is breathing which you're doing all the time so nothing to add to your to-do list breathing activates our vagus nerve cranial nerve number 10 and triggers our parasympathetic nervous system that helps us restore our energy and as a byproduct, help us feel more relaxed. And there are so many different breathwork techniques that can be both energizing as well as calming. Uh, examples would be like coherent breathing um, where you inhale for a count of five, hold for a count of five, exhale for a count of five. Some of you may be familiar with the four, seven, eight breath or holotropic breathing, Breathwork it can be this profound tool for helping increase our capacity to receive. And one of the simplest practices that you can do to help stay in the moment and create a greater sense of presence is simply noticing the breath, <laughs> like literally just checking in with yourself. Are you breathing? And how are you breathing? Are you breathing fast? Are you breathing slow? Are you breathing deeply or more shallow? Are you breathing through your nose or your mouth? Right? Simply just getting curious about that takes you out of worrying about the past or ruminating about the future and brings you into the here and now. Taking it a step further, feeling the expansion in your chest versus your belly. As I mentioned, there are so many different breathing techniques you can use, but just paying attention to your breath, bringing awareness to breathing is super simple. It's efficient, it's effective, can be done anytime, anywhere, like standing in line at the grocery store or sitting in a traffic light, even while you're in a heated conversation. Which brings me to another way to use your breath, which is as an anchor. You can help establish both inner and outer support to create a sense of safety for yourself so you can stay in your body and in the experience of the moment by anchoring. Now, it may sound complex, but it's really a simple practice that, again, you can do anytime, anywhere. And you use the sensation of your breath through your body as an anchor to the present, connecting to your current experience. You can also use your felt sense of a physical object as an anchor, allowing the cushion of the seat that you're sitting on or the ground beneath you to absorb your energy, to absorb your support and opening up to the possibility for you to grow your capacity to receive the support of your chair or the ground, right? This concept of receiving and being received, it really does increase our capacity to restore and rejuvenate because it brings our attention and our awareness to creating connection of establishing a relationship with the object as a place to start feeling the texture, the temperature, the pressure, and receiving the sensation as well as giving or allowing the object to receive you, your touch, pressure, to help you release any stuck energy or tension because that tension or discomfort is your body's messages to you that your capacity to let go has been thwarted that there's energy from activation of your stress response to whatever flavor of, you know, XYZ scenarios that you are encountering that hasn't been able to mobilize and actualize. And so it gets stuck in your body because you may have felt that you don't have the time or the space or the support or the resources. Perhaps they weren't available to you, or your capacity to receive them was overshadowed by your output of giving. So By establishing contact with the ground or your chair with an intention to create connection, to be in relationship with the support, the cushion or the ground, it can help you get more comfortable with having something receive you and that you can receive the support of it. I know that does sound kind of woo-woo, but when I learned this, nuance, this this concept, it really made such a difference to help create more ease and calm and comfort to know that simply by being, sitting, doing what I normally do, that I actually could receive support. Another practice um, that is a go-to for me is movement. And um, I made a whole podcast episode about movement as medicine. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely check that out. And when I say movement, I don't mean you have to do some big macro movement, some like balls of the wall exercise. It can be really super small. I mentioned earlier, you know, for me personally, one of my favorite go-tos is a gentle rocking side-to-side or back-and-forth while I sit in my chair when I'm working on something that's particularly challenging or I'm having a conversation that is emotionally charged. I find that that gentle movement reminds me that I'm okay. It really helps keep me in the moment because I'm attuned to the sensations of my body and that gentle rocking keeps me connected to my body, to my breath. Other forms of movement like walking or yoga or qigong or dance. I mean, seriously, nothing beats a good dance party. Another really simple practice is simply rubbing your hands together to create some friction, to create energy like the heat and just feel the resonance of that receiving the energy that you created right or the soothing from the gentle movement whatever you decide to do I really encourage you just to take a moment to pause when you do this and really allow yourself to absorb that energy and allow it to integrate into your body into your cells and lastly I'd already touched on this at the beginning when we were talking about self-compassion, but it's self-touch because soothing self-touch, it's a gateway for growing our capacity to receive, to create a greater sense of support and safety and comfort so we can be more present to our experience of what's happening right now, even when it's difficult, right? I mentioned it can be as simple as a hand to your chest, a hand over your heart stroking your arms or your legs, or literally giving yourself a hug as a way to calm ourselves. Studies show that touch lowers blood pressure and reduces our heart rate, increases oxytocin, that feel-good hormone, and decreases our cortisol levels. So I teach all of these techniques and more to my clients in my one-on-one coaching and programs and workshops because these practices, these techniques, they're super simple, quick, efficient. They're evidence-based And they can be done anytime, anywhere without having to add anything onto your to-do list. And they really do help increase your capacity to receive in ways that help restore and revive and rejuvenate your energy and fill your tank with reserve. So you can keep doing what you want to do and what you may need to do in your role as a caregiver and to do it with more ease and flow and resilience. So, How can you translate this growing capacity to receive back into your daily life when you're at work, dealing with your kids or your partner? How can you allow yourself to receive your own care when dealing with conflict or emotions like anger or sadness or fear or shame, guilt or the good stuff or like joy, excitement and pleasure, which for many of us can feel even harder? Simply put is you start where you are. I'm not suggesting you walk around carrying a suitcase of props like massage balls or bolsters, um, which I use in my practice a lot, though you could, that that actually could be awesome if everyone had their little self-care suitcase. But what I am proposing is that in those moments when you feel charged or anxious or overwhelmed or totally maxed out, and your tendency would be to default to being reactive rather than responsive, is an invitation to bring your awareness to that inclination and to ask yourself, what is available to me right now in terms of having the time, space, support, and resources to navigate the situation? Are there one of the practices that I shared with you, self-touch, some movement, awareness of breath, using your breath as an anchor or anchoring yourself to the ground or the seat below you? What might be available to you? And are you open to receiving it Can you allow yourself to lean into your own care? What is the smallest sip that you can take and still be okay? Right? I want you to imagine that you have a glass of water and you take a sip and then you take another and perhaps another. And notice you haven't choked on the water, you haven't aspirated. You're able to swallow with ease. You're okay. Now, I want you to imagine that you can do the same thing with your care, with your attention, with your breath, with your touch, one sip at a time to receive support, to resource yourself to fill your tanks you can keep going, doing what you love with the people that you love by increasing your own capacity to love on yourself and strengthen your relationship with what's here for you. So my friends, my skinny dipping prescription for you this week is to try on one or all the practices I shared with you, breath work, grounding or anchoring, movement, self-touch, or just pick one or two that resonate with you and take a sip, just one sip and see how it feels. And if you can take another, then another at your own pace, listen, listen. I know this isn't easy, and I'll name that this can be really hard to do on your own to get started without guidance and support. And even if this is familiar, having support is still important because there are so many layers. So if this resonates with you and you want to take this deeper, I invite you to connect with me and I'll put the links in the show notes so we can connect and figure out if it's a good fit to work together. I'll also put links to additional resources in the show notes to help support you like my five-day mindset reset experience that really guides you in 10 minutes a day or less, I'm serious, so that you can feel more at ease, more calm, and more comfort. All right, my friends, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have an amazing week, and I can't wait to dive into the next episode with you. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Skinny Dipping Prescription Podcast. If you're struggling with anxiety, stress, or feeling uncomfortable in your skin, head over to the show notes to grab the links to take our quiz to find out why that is and what you can do about it. That's yourskincarequiz.com. You can also connect with me at drkirabar.com or on Instagram, or get on our mailing list to find out about our upcoming workshops, events, and all the other goodness we share with our community. Getting on our list is the best way to find out all about it. You can grab those links in the show notes. I am so grateful that you're here and I would be honored if you would rate, review, subscribe and share the podcast on social media or perhaps with a friend who needs the support, whatever feels good to you. I hope you have a great week and I can't wait to catch up with you on the next episode of the Skinny Dipping Prescription.